Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Take a licking. <laughs> there is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you. Just call for super chicken. Welcome to the Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer Radio Show, brought to you by Tractor Supply, where we give away more chicken coops and chicken-related prizes than anyone else on the planet. We are often imitated, but never duplicated. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, National Spokesperson for the USDA Biosecurity for Birds Program and Editor-in-Chief of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. Today is Monday, June 23rd, and I would like to thank all of you for tuning in this afternoon on Blog Talk Radio. This is a live radio show that is broadcast around the world. This radio show is all about keeping backyard poultry, show poultry, and living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Each week, I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics, including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, cooking, gardening, and living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to visit our website, chickenwhisperer.com, where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe to the free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Once again, I would like to thank all of you for tuning in today to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Tractor Supply. Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfginc.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C.com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at 1-888-824-7257. Ware Manufacturing. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. 
They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFRadio.com. That's GQFRadio.com. Introducing the Chicken Fountain, a new way to water your flock. The Chicken Fountain will change your life and keep your chickens healthier by providing clean, fresh water every time. No more daily cleaning of dirty chicken waterers. This semi-sealed system keeps every drop of water fresh and clean. Proudly made in the USA, the Chicken Fountain will provide your flock with fresh, clean water for years to come. To order your Chicken Fountain, visit ChickenFountain.com. That's ChickenFountain.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. All right, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. I hope you're having a great Monday. I hope you had a great weekend with family and friends. I know I sure did. Spent some time with some family over the weekend uh, and some extended family, so we did have a good time. Hey, this is the last week, the very last week. In fact, fact, there's only four more days to enter the May-slash-June Ultimate Chicken Coop Contest brought to you by Curtis Coops and Yard Barns. Visit them online. Take a look at all the products that they offer, and there's a ton of them. But uh, you only got four more days to enter, so I'm going to tell you how to do that, and then we're going to get on with the show with our guest today, Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor. Great topic today. Get those Chicken Whisper notebooks, pens, and papers out while I cover the poop contest information. So you'll be ready to take those notes to keep your backyard flock happy and healthy. So all you got to do to enter the coop contest is send me an email. Yep, that is it. Contest at chickenwhisperer.com. That's where you're going to send it. Contest at chickenwhisperer.com. In the subject line of the email, you're going to put coop contest. How simple is that? Coop contest in the subject line of the email. Then in the email itself, I need your name, your phone number, and your shipping address. That's it. No worries. Send it over to me, and you are entered one email per person, per household. So let me explain this. If there are 19 people in your home and you all have a different email address, then you can all enter. If you want to walk door-to-door through your subdivision and visit all 250 homes, if they all want to enter and then have the ship coop to you, that, that, that's fine. Have the coop ship to you, that's, that's no problem as long as they all have a separate email address, okay? So one entry per person per email address, it is that simple. Number two, you can enter no matter where you live on this planet. 
If you live in Japan and want to enter, knock yourself out. If you live in Europe and you want to enter, go ahead and enter. But we are only going to ship that coop, fully assembled, mind you, to the lower 48 states of this great land. But you can still enter if you live in Europe. You can just row your dinghy right over here to the coast, maybe the port of Savannah, Georgia, pick up that coop and row your dinghy right on back. So you can enter if you live in Europe. If you live in Canada, it might be a little bit easier, especially if you live near the border, because we'll ship that coop somewhere, maybe to a holding facility or to a shipping place or maybe to a friend that you know, or maybe you can find a friend on a chicken forum on Facebook. Hey, can I have this coop shipped to your address if I win? I live in Canada. Come on across the border and you pick them up, truck. Pick that coop up if you win. Drive it on home. So you can enter no matter where you live on this planet. We're only going to ship that poop to the lower 48 states. How about that? So, uh, no, because a lot of people always post, well, I wish I could enter. I live in Australia. You can enter. Go right ahead. I'm not stopping you. Just row your dinghy over here and pick it up because we're only going to ship it to the lower 48 states. So that's how that works. The contest officially ends this Thursday at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We will announce the winner this Friday on this radio show live. We will call them live. Maybe they'll pick up. If they do, it's always a fun show. If not, no worries. You do not have to be listening live to enter or win, but it just makes it fun. We'll still contact you via email, telephone, Facebook, the whole nine yards. And, of course, this contest is not affiliated with Facebook in any way. All right, let's go on with the show today. We've got Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor. Let's give him a big welcome. Hey, Peter, how you doing today? I'm doing well, Andy. How are you? I'm hanging in there one day at a time, my friend. So uh, I know you don't need to win this coop because you have like the Taj Mahal of all coops in your backyard already. So uh, <laughs> I know you, I know you don't need to win this sucker, but um, uh, maybe you enter and you win, and uh, you can uh, give it to one of your uh, awesome customers. But, um, and I know you don't need it because your coop is the bomb. So I don't know if ours is the bomb, but it's it's, it's a coop. <laughs> hey, it's awesome. Hey. Um, I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce the uh, the uh, uh, illness we're talking about today, but I did uh, Google it and uh, researched, uh, I say research, read about it just a little bit to uh, okay. wet my whistle, so I'm going to let you do that. But, folks, keep your pen and paper out because this is something uh, you probably want to be familiar with, with, uh, with Peter Brown. I'm going to turn it over to you, my friend. Okay. It's called uh, Klebsiella, and uh, it's spelled K-L-E-B-S-I-E-L-L-A. Uh, the last word is pneumonia, uh, P-N-E-U-M-O-N-I-A-E. <clears throat> and uh, it's uh, ubiquitous uh, in nature, meaning it's everywhere. Um, it's quite common. It's a natural inhabitant of uh, uh, the guts of uh, most animals, uh, especially grazing animals, can be picked up from the soil. Um, it's uh, very common to find it in humans. It's common to find it in chickens as well. Uh, so if it's this common, uh, then you know why are we talking about it today? Uh, the basic reason I br- I'm bringing this up today, and I think we talked about it <clears throat> a couple of years ago or, or so, um, uh, we're starting to see a little bit more of it. Um, it's yep. not such a big deal in the commercial poultry industry, uh, but I have had a few folks uh, contact me in relation to it uh, over the last couple of three months. So I thought... <clears throat> not a bad time to go back and review this um, because it, it can turn ugly. Uh, it just, just depends on uh, where it turns up and uh, how much of it is there. And then uh, it depends um, uh, as to what other players may or may not be involved. Uh, for instance, okay. uh, um, a, um, uh, 
another normal gut inhabitant uh, that stays down in the lower part of the intestine and cohabitates with this one would be uh, E. coli. We're all familiar with E. coli. Uh, uh, for those that don't know, uh, you know we're in the summertime now, so if you're uh, listening to the uh, to the news and you hear them say that the coliform count in the river, lake, swimming pool, or whatever is uh, high and you can't go swimming in it, uh, all that means is there's too much poop in the water, and that's how they evaluate that, and that's how they make those determinations. So too much sewage in the water uh, is, is where that one comes from, but. Um, so yeah, you know, when I go swimming, I always want to make sure that there's not much poop. Uh, as long as there's not, if there's not much poop in the water, then I'm okay. But once that level gets up to be classified as too much poop, then I'm not cool with that either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not a big fan of any of that. So, uh, to be honest with you, I gave up on swimming in the ocean a long time ago, and uh, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take my chances in in my bathtub. <laughs> uh, a little bit safer, I think. I there think, you anyway. go. But um, so at any rate, uh, this is found, like I said, uh, all throughout uh, nature. It's it's a um, it's an actually kind of a unique organism uh, that uh, actually thrives uh, in the soil with with plants because it helps plants grow by binding uh, nitrogen from the soil and the air uh, to the to the plant roots. So. Uh, um, it, it, it can cohabitate there there as well, and uh, uh, one of the big deals with this this uh, particular organism um, at the moment it's a bigger deal uh, on the human side. Um, you might remember, I believe it was uh, back in 2011, there was a, a huge uh, outbreak of this at the uh, National Institutes of Health um, uh, Hospital in. Uh, Bethesda, Maryland, uh, not not all that far from here, about 100 miles or so, and uh, this was brought into the hospital, um, unbeknownst basically to them, uh, and uh, from a patient that was transferred transferred in from from another hospital. I don't remember all the all the particulars of it, but uh, at any rate, uh, this became quite a um, uh, quite a problem. Uh, and that's another reason why I bring it up. People need to know if it's if it's in your birds, and you could possibly uh, have a problem with something. Uh, uh, it's nice to know. Uh, one more reason for washing your hands in a reasonable fashion, and, and doesn't mean you have to freak out and and uh, keep the place sterile because that's no good either. But uh, at any rate, they had an outbreak there. It started out with one person, and uh, uh, then it spread uh, to other people. Uh, they ended up, I think. Um, I think there were 18 people that ended up with this infection coming from one person. And um, out of that 18, six died. Now, bear in mind, yeah, bear in mind that a lot of these folks that uh, uh, were at this particular hospital at that time were very ill people. Um, this this disease uh, organism uh, is a little bit more opportunistic. And that's another reason why I bring it up. A lot of people's birds are under stress from different things. Uh, I certainly see it. Maybe the average person doesn't see it, but I see it in, in what I do every day. Um, and I don't mean this particular organism. I mean the stress uh, of, uh, of uh, different other problems that people have. It doesn't then it, <clears throat> it doesn't mean that this will, will take over, but it is an opportunistic one. So it, with these people, it was opportunistic. Uh, their immune systems were under attack from other things. Uh, um, 
and so on. And uh, at any rate, it took over that hospital basically for the most part. I mean, uh, or a portion of it, uh, and they were, um, uh, you know, at rope's end to stop this thing in that hospital. I mean, uh, <clears throat> the um, they tore out plumbing. Um, threw everything away, built walls to try to uh, keep people from uh, from uh, uh, spreading it that way. Uh, they put up monitors to monitor people coming in and out, so they had to pay somebody to stand there and say, okay, uh, you know, your, your gloves go in the trash here and your gown goes over here and you've got to wash your hands over here. Uh, they went through all of this and still had a problem, okay? And um, uh, long story short, they eventually solved it, uh, by uh, figuring out how it, <clears throat> um, how it really worked uh, and how it spread, uh, a lot of genetic uh, testing going on to figure everything out. And the, on the flip side, as you might say, well, it's just a bacteria. Why don't they medicate it? Well, this particular bacteria uh, worldwide now is becoming and has become uh, antibiotic resistant to even the um, uh, the most powerful. Uh, Antibiotics that are generally held in reserve for situations just like this. Um, so it's a very difficult one. So my point today is, you know, let's not let it get a hold in our in our flocks. Let's be uh, cognizant of what's going on. Let's pay attention. Uh, don't over medicate. <clears throat> I um, uh, have been talking for quite some years now about uh, uh, moving away from antibiotics, not only in this country but uh, in what I do. I try to encourage people. Um, you know, to try to use the turmeric, uh, the oil of uh, oregano, and, and other things uh, if you're going to be using an uh, insecticide. Um, the the uh, poultry protector products uh, work well. Um, see, the issue that a lot of folks uh, have is, is, is kind of like from my perspective, the way I see it, it's a twofold thing. It's money on one hand, and it is uh, I want it now, and I want it done now, and I want these bugs off my birds immediately, and I want everything to die right this second. And mm -hmm. with your more natural products, you don't get that kind of, of, of kill rate uh, that you would get with your chemicals, certainly on the insecticide side. That's, that's ter uh, very true. Um, the poultry protector products, while they work, they work at a much slower uh, rate. The good thing about them is you could use them every day if you had to, but see, most people don't want to be that involved. Um, too much work, um, and you know, for some people I can agree with that. But uh, you know, moving away from all of these things, I mean, they're doing it in Europe. Um, we are going to end up doing it here. Um, I had a conversation with a couple of folks here in the area um, uh, about the. Uh, uh, poultry companies here starting to move away from um, the antibiotic use uh, and dedicating certain farms. Um, I know, and I said this before on the show, Purdue uh, has taken an entire processing facility in, in Pennsylvania, uh, closed it down, and uh, redoing the whole thing, and only organics going to move through that facility. Um, we're seeing more and more of the uh, uh, restaurant chains wanting to get in on this thing as well. Uh, and the, uh, I think it's the Chipotle restaurants. I know Panera Bread is one. Uh, Whole Foods, all these kinds of d different places are wanting the uh, uh, antibiotic-free uh, chicken, turkey, pork, and, and, and uh, beef, and so on. So <clears throat> it's coming. It's just a lot slower here. The lobbyists for the uh, companies that make the uh, antibiotics and all the other chemical stuff, uh, uh, 
is pretty strong in this in this country, and uh, they'll stave it off as long as they can, and then they'll uh, eventually uh, you'll see a big move to uh, to the uh, uh, more natural type of a uh, of a treatment. Uh, you'll still have your antibiotics then being held in reserve for cases where nothing works, and then that. But that's better than just doing it the way it's been done over the years. Um, I dare say most companies now um, are not even going to con- you know, think about using uh, an antibiotic for growth promoting. I think that's pretty much mm-hmm. for the most part, at least in my neck of the woods. I can't speak for what goes on elsewhere. But they know people don't want it. The cost of these things today is high. And uh, uh, I know they continue to work on you know, the genetic aspects of, of all of this stuff, uh, as far as uh, growth is concerned, getting uh, births to you know grow faster, put on more uh, more weight, better feed conversion, uh, and that kind of thing. So, um, at any rate, we'll move on a little bit here. Um, so, this is a normal in- uh, inhabitant of the intestinal tract um, that would be called an enteric pathogen, meaning uh, in the intestines of uh, poultry, humans, uh, and uh, most other uh, animals that are around. So, it can be readily picked up. Um, this particular organism, what makes it hard to uh, to combat with an antibiotic is that it, it is what's called an encapsulated organism. Uh, we've all heard me talk before. We've talked about cell wall, no cell wall. Um, mm-hmm, yeah. So when we talked about, uh, let's say, coryza, which has a cell wall, okay, and then we talked about mycoplasma, which had no cell wall, the cell wall keeps it organized, and it's and it's a line of defense uh, to keep the uh, uh, the organism from uh, being invaded by outside uh, entities like antibiotics and stuff. A cell wall is a lot easier to break down uh, than this particular organism, which has an actual capsule, um, and. Uh, that capsule, because of the way it presents itself, if you looked at it under a microscope, you would see uh, that this organism, um, for, for lack of a better term, looks like a snot ball because uh, it's often called a, a, a slime capsule because that's just what it looks like. And so we have that slime capsule on the outside, which is quite thick. Then you have the cell wall, okay, um, or the you know, cell membrane, uh, protecting it as well. So you kind of have a double whammy effect with the, uh, I guess you could look at the, um, this capsule being like a hardened bunker uh, uh, in Iraq or Afghanistan or something like that, uh, a missile silo where they've, uh, they've hardened the outside of it with concrete. Well, this would kind of like be the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's able to, um, to um, uh, ward off these things. And it's also able to change so that... Uh, these things uh, that have been able to penetrate it in the past may not be able to penetrate it down the road. So, um, and this is what has made uh, part of this thing um, um, antibiotic resistant, besides the capsule itself, but the ability of the capsule to change um, in such a fashion that uh, this, this um, uh, antibiotic and so on can't, can't get through and, and, uh, and destroy it. Um, but so, so just so we're all clear on it, it <clears throat> this capsule lies on the outside of the cell wall. Okay, so it's kind of like um, you know taking an egg, which already has the shell, which you can mm-hmm. consider the, the you know the uh, uh, you know the cell wall, and then putting a, a a bowl over top of it, and that's the capsule, so to speak. 
Um, one of the other reasons that I brought this up, um, I've done a series not only on this, this show, but for um, uh, the uh, Chicken Whisperer magazine, we talked about uh, late deads uh, and, and egg uh-huh. breakouts and, and that kind of thing. And this can be found on occasion uh, to be the culprit for these uh, uh, late deads, uh, sometimes even for the early deads, usually uh, somewhere between uh, day one and, and seven days, and then again uh, out around. You might even see it earlier. You might even see it uh, 14, 15 days uh, in that range as the embryo prepares to uh, to take the uh, yolk into the uh, into the body cavity. Um, the yolk as uh, material becomes infected <coughs> with the uh, with the Klebsiella, and so what it'll end up doing uh, is that uh, the, the yolk material will will have a putrid smell to it, um, uh, be relatively toxic, uh, and um, sometimes. Um, We'll see this uh, yolk material get uh, um, coagulated um, and thick, um, and uh, I've seen it in in, uh, in birds that uh, uh, fail to um, to absorb the, uh, the yolk sac completely. And um, when you open them up on post mortem, you'll see maybe uh, oh maybe it's half the size of a penny uh, still attached to, to the intestinal wall where it never finished uh, absorbing in. And there are your early deads. Um, if they survive uh, the uh, incubation process and they make it out of the shell, um, there are a lot of the, lots of times they're the ones that you hear chirping loudly. Um, you, uh, they never shut up. Um, when you look at them, their, their shanks uh, and hock joints uh, are, sh- are shrunken, and lots of times they'll be red. Uh, it's a dehydration uh, indication. Uh, but uh, so when, this is one of the reasons why, I, and I talk about it all the time. Probably sound like a broken record, but uh, taking uh, every egg that doesn't hatch. You know, people get excited. They 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 put eggs in an incubator. We get 85, 90 percent hatched. They just tickle to death. They could care less about the rest mm-hmm. of them. Um, mm-hmm. But you really need to see why the others, uh, you know, didn't uh, hatch. Uh, so that you can take a look at it, and if there is a problem, head it off before it becomes a huge problem. And uh, uh, you know, I've been looking at some some photos. Uh, actuality, I've got to get back to the person uh, this evening, uh, but I've been looking at some photos of some uh, some birds that uh, uh, didn't hatch. And um, uh, while I cannot say from the photos exactly what the uh, uh, the problem was, I can look at the photos and give a pretty good uh, uh, guess as to uh, what age they actually died, and and that and then you start looking at all of the things such as Klebsiella, uh, could be an E. coli infection, could be Salmonella, could be a whole slew of things uh, that could point to that kind of uh, embryo mortality out at uh, 18 days or so, 15, 16 days. Um, you know, rough handling, all kinds of things can go into it. Uh, the, uh, the uh, egg could be too dry, it could be too wet, uh, all of these things. Uh, the embryo could uh, possibly uh, drown in the shell. Um, so it's a, it's a good idea, to, uh, and it's time-consuming. It's a pain in the neck, I know that, and it's not the most pleasant thing to do sometimes, but you really owe it to yourself and you owe it to your flock to uh, take a look at these things and, uh, and uh, uh, figure out what's, go- what's gone on, or, you know, what's gone wrong and uh, what, what caused it at the end of the day. But uh, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people don't, and uh, 
this particular instance, the uh, the uh, mortality rate uh, for the uh, uh, the birds that uh, didn't hatch was almost 100%. And um, you know, without uh, the way the pictures were presented to me, I'm not able to see all of the things that I really needed to see, but I can see enough to to uh, determine the the, uh, the the day that the, the bird died, and I can give a, a educated guess as to uh, you know to uh, what may have, uh, have have caused the problem. But, uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize you know about uh, and again I go back and I say this and and and. Uh, uh, the egg has already incubated for pretty close to 24 hours from the time it was uh, the uh, uh, the egg was uh, uh, was laid. It's it's already 24 hours old in the embryo. It's it's not waiting on you to incubate it. That that that's, those cells were dividing and 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 uh, splitting and 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 so on uh, inside of of the of the hen before they even she even laid that egg. So after the egg is laid, it behooves you to take extremely good care of that egg. And when you don't, the consequences of not taking care of it are, uh, you know, are great. You, you know, uh, decreased hatch, uh, poor quality chicks. Because, look, anybody can hatch the darn things. You can, you can put a bunch of eggs in your oven, and if you control the temperature and the humidity, you can hatch them out. The issue is, can you hatch out good chicks that are good quality, that are healthy, that you're not going to have to tend to every five seconds with an antibiotic or some other medication or uh, tube feed them or, or, or some other thing, or they're chirping uh, crazily, they won't shut up, uh, and or they end right. up having other growth problems later on down the road. I mean, I see it all the time. Uh, believe me, I do. So it's important. It's an important thing to do. Um, bear in mind that this particular organism uh, is, uh, in many cases, not all, resistant to a, a very wide array of antibiotics. Um, and mm. again, some of the, this goes from some of the, <clears throat> the simplest ones, which would be your tetracyclines, uh, all the way up to the uh, uh, fluoroquinolones and beyond, the fluoroquinolones being your cipro-batril, that type of thing. Um, and there's a popular one out there that I've seen around, people toting around, uh, called Bactrim. You've probably heard it yourself. And that's a combination of uh, sulfamethoxazole and trimethoprim, and in many cases uh, it's uh, resistant to that as well. So, again, uh, you know, it just makes good sense to know that this is out there, um, that this is uh, a, a potential problem. Um, now, we'll talk for a minute uh, about translocation, and translocation just means the, uh, this, the um, organism moving for whatever reason, uh, from one place in the body uh, of the bird where it is comfortable, okay, uh, to another area uh, outside of the, the norm. So let's uh, look at this and say we know that this stays in the uh, lower part of the of the intestine, uh, roughly in what we would call the colon, about the last uh, um, third or so of, of the intestinal tract of the bird. And as long as it stays there, it's not a big deal. It's when it migrates away from there and starts to make its way up the um, up, up the uh, intestinal tract and, in fact, other organs uh, that we start to see this, and mainly uh, getting a blood infection of it going. Okay, so then we start to see uh, areas um, where this 
particular disease organism uh, uh, doesn't belong, and we start to see that in the heart, the liver, the spleen, uh, in places uh, like that. Uh, and, and again, in the um, in the uh, uh, the yolk sac of, of the of the embryos. Now, here's an interesting uh, thing that I, I um, comes to mind on, on this. Um, I've investigated this particular uh, organism many, many times over the years. And um, many times you look at a bird, <clears throat> and the bird is healthy. There are no untoward signs, meaning uh, it's not giving you any uh, inkling of an idea at the moment that it's, that it's, uh, that it's sick. The, one of the methodologies for this to transfer to the embryo is through infected sperm. Okay. Yeah. Who would have thought? You know. But it it, it does it does happen that way. It's been proven. Okay. So uh, you can have birds that are are normal because I get this from people all the time to say, hey, you know, I uh, put uh, 24 eggs in the incubator and uh, you know 23 didn't hatch. And um, you know I gave uh, some of the same eggs to a friend and they didn't hatch over there either. Well, I mean, we got a problem going on here because, you know, the friend is hatching their birds left and right, and you can't hatch any. So, you know, we do have a problem. And, and there again, uh, it's important to take all of those eggs, uh, break them out into uh, into uh, a little throwaway uh, plastic uh, styrofoam or paper plates and whatever so that you can take a look at them. And, and uh, if you don't know, if you if, if you can always send me pictures. I'll be glad to look at them. Um, but uh, so... You can have a, a, a bird that appears to be uh, happy and healthy and uh, that it's uh, uh, actually passing something on that you really don't want. Okay? Mm -hmm. and, um, so that, you know, that, that, is, that is part, you know, part of, of the problem. And here again, this is, I'll throw this out there because this is important. Um, intestinal overgrowth is where generally where this kind of stuff starts. So this is for those people who constantly feed their birds things other than their normal feed. See, if you don't interrupt, and this goes for humans as well, if you don't eat a bunch of garbage, guess what? You're probably not going to have a stomach ache very often. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, if you're, growing, if you're one of those people who likes to sit down every night and eat a half a gallon of ice cream, you know, good luck to you because, you know, it's going to show up in your gut for sure. Same thing with, with chickens. I mean, look, we've, we've got 17 birds here that we do absolutely nothing for every day other than to give them plenty of feed, plenty of clean, cool water at this time of the year, a good, clean place to sleep, and a yard to run around in. And that's it. There are, you know, they don't get warm a blueberry oatmeal in the morning, Peter. No, they do not, and we don't feed them <laughs> eggs. We don't. Feed, it's not necessary. I mean, I'm, you know, look, we, you, I know you know, we've talked about it before. If that makes you happy, go ahead and do it. But I will tell you yeah. that when you upset that gut flora, we've talked about this a number of times. Oh, yeah. A number of times, okay? Th that gut flora, if you've got it right and you're getting nice, well-formed, Droppings from your birds, leave it alone. Mm -hmm. Leave it alone. I mean, I can't tell you. I, I people, you know, I, I gave them this, I gave them that, I did this, I did that, and 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 now they're they're, they're all sick. And 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 again, when you upset that good gut flora, 
the good gut-friendly bacteria that's been keeping the immune system of that bird. Don't forget, 60% plus of their immune cells lie in the intestinal tract. You've got a messed up yeah. gut and have a messed up bird. It's just that simple. Even worse for, for day-old chicks, born sterile to start with. So whatever, you, whatever you junk you put in them right from the get-go, going to stay right there. And the, and the intestine uh, not even being mature, so the immune system is, is not even fully developed because it's going to take another 7, 8, 10 days, maybe even in some cases for bigger birds, 14 days for that, that intestine to finish developing. Just because it's a fluffed out little chick that just came out of the incubator and, and you're all fat, dumb, and happy with it doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. The cecal tonsils, which are responsible for uh, really breaking down most of the fiber in a bird's diet, taken at least six weeks to finish developing. So we don't have a bird that's completely finished its development cycle. It looks like it on the outside because they're cute and they're running around, they're chirping, and they're eating and, and jumping all over mama and hiding under her wings and all those cute little things. But they are extremely vulnerable. So don't take birds that you've got that are healthy and make them unhealthy by giving them a bunch of junk. And it's just, it's just that simple. And, and <clears throat> the, the more you do it, the more you have bacteria like this that are not necessarily harmful in the beginning, but you get this intestinal overgrowth, and then it'll start permeating the intestinal wall, it'll get into the body cavity, it'll get into the bloodstream, uh, and, and everywhere. So, I mean, it's it's just really, really, really important from my perspective mm-hmm. to, uh, to yeah. go and, and take care of it that way. Um, the, the best friend you'll ever have for a day-old chick is good, fresh, clean water with a good probiotic in it, maybe some vitamins, electrolytes in it, and that's it. don't need a whole lot of other stuff. Just don't. And once you populate that intestine uh, with the uh, proper gut-friendly bacteria, um, if, you've got a, if it's got a real good hold on the bird, you have an intestine that is going to be tough for the bad guys to set up because there's no place for them to hang out on the intestinal wall because your gut-friendly bacteria is already occupying it and your gut-friendly bacteria is producing acid, changing the pH of that intestine, telling the bad guys, hey, and no place for you in this town. Move on. Right. And, yep. you know, it just, you know, just makes you know, real good sense to me. I don't know. But, uh, so that's, that's the other way that this thing gets started, by upsetting the intestinal balance that you've already worked hard to get, and then this thing takes over and becomes a problem. Otherwise, it's not a big deal. Not a big deal. You probably, uh, if you were to swab your own nostrils, somebody would probably pick it up. But it is a problem uh, throughout the um, the United States in hospitals. Um, um, there are many hospitals now that that uh, uh, have problems with uh, Klebsiella. Okay, uh, and I just heard this on the radio, so I'll throw this out. I heard this first thing this morning, so I know nothing more about it than what I'm about to say, and that's not much. Okay. Mm-hmm. But under the new rules, under the uh, Obamacare and whatever, hospitals are now going to be penalized for um, the, uh, their inability to clean themselves up. Mm-hmm. And um, they're also going to be penalized for uh, patients who come there and um, uh, pick up an infection there, because it's quite common today to go to a hospital and, and pick up an infection. Um, and I thought this was interesting, and, and this, this was... And again, I don't know, don't not read it. I just heard it on the, on the radio while I was out and about this morning, and uh, they said that uh, one of the worst offenders are your teaching hospitals. 
I thought that was kind of mm-hmm. interesting. Um, you know, where they're supposed to be teaching people to, uh, you know, take care of things and so on and so forth. But it also may be that they may ha- they may also have some of the sickest patients too. So it's it's not as clear cut, um, you know, as they are doing such maybe a, such a lousy job. It might not be that. These things are not easy to control, and I think the National Institutes of Health Hospital in Bethesda, Maryland, back in 2011, found that out the hard way. They spent literally hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions, trying to control this thing in that hospital. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, 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 and for the most part, in the very beginning, couldn't do it. People who had no contact with the original patient were still coming down with this thing. That's how bad it was. So, um, and I'm not saying the ones that are in poultry. I'm saying this is basically benign uh, for the most part until it has that opportunity to uh, to do something, and then it will. So, uh, makes this makes good sense to me to uh, you know to take care of business the right way. Don't upset that gut. It's a very yeah. very important part of uh, of a bird's well-being. I, do you want to take a commercial break and I'll come back and go yeah, let's some, do that. Some, some, let's some do that. And, um, yeah, no problem. Uh, folks, we're talking with Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor today. I hope you've been taking notes. If you joined the show at any time after we started, uh, no worries, because this show, along with 900 others, are archived for your listening pleasure. So after the show, maybe 15 minutes, it'll be archived and you can listen to this show in its entirety. And uh, we hope that you will uh, do that. So we'll return with more Ask the Chicken Doctor with Peter Brown right after we return. When you need an incubator, think Brensi, the incubation specialist. Brensi has been a world-leading manufacturer of incubators for over 30 years. Incubators from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity control and programmable egg turning all at surprisingly affordable prices. Visit them online at Brincy.com. Brincy spelled B-R-I-N-S-E-A. That's Brincy.com or call 1-888-667-7009. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and save 10% on their incubators, brooders, egg candlers, and other incubation accessories. When you need an incubator, think Brincy. Technology you can trust. You've just entered a dimension of dirty water. A dimension of poop-filled water. A dimension of stagnant water. You've crossed into the dirty waterer zone. But up ahead is your signpost to cleaner water. The Bright Tap Chicken Waterer. The Bright Tap Waterer is fully covered. Chickens drink from special valves, so dirt and droppings can't get into the water. Chickens get sparkling clean water. You get less work. No poop-filled water pans for you to touch or wash out. Bright Tap. Clean water made simple. Visit chickenwaterer.com to learn more. That's chickenwaterer.com. Pictures of chickens on aprons are common across America, but picture a chicken wearing an apron and you'll probably get a good chuckle. Laugh if you must, but nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. 
Hen Saver Hen Aprons protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster and may even provide protection from an unexpected hawk attack. Hen Savers come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and standard sized hens and roosters. Colors include camo, denim, navy, brown, khaki or black, and soon pink. Crazy K Farm is expanding its already colorful hen saver collection to include the color pink. A portion of their sales will be donated to organizations that fund breast cancer research and awareness. Order your hen saver aprons today at hensaver.com. That's hensaver.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. Are you in the market for a new chicken coop? Want one that will outlast all the others? Then check out Urban Coop Company. All of their coops are made from 100% appearance-grade western red cedar with galvanized hardware and advanced all-weather joinery right here in the USA. Compared to other coops, Urban Coop Company coops will last longer and look better doing it. They're designed to be both beautiful and functional. In fact, they have earned the Chicken Whisperer seal of approval and are Chicken Whisperer approved. I invite you to browse their website to learn more about the many features of their coops and check out their integrated coop accessories that will make your life easier. Urban Coop Company is a family-owned business located in Dripping Springs, Texas, USA. They are passionate about building great coops because they know you're passionate about your backyard chickens. Visit them online at urbancoopcompany.com. That's urbancoopcompany.com. This looks like a job for... Super Chicken? You get the super sauce, I'll don my super suit. How would you like a punch in the beak? All right, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Again, our guest today, uh, Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of FirstStateVetSupply.com. If you're taking notes right now, go ahead and jot that down. Visit them after the show, FirstStateVetSupply.com. Take a look at what they have to keep your backyard chickens happy and healthy, including take a look at their emergency medicine kit and that would be to add to your existing first aid kit, but it's an emergency medicine kit. More times than not, we've heard on the show, when I've had Peter on, we'll have people call in, this is what I've, uh, the symptoms, these are the signs, they'll recommend doing something. Do you have some of this? Uh, no. So now we have to, they would have to go and find it, uh, buy it, have it shipped, two or three days delay, in getting the proper care to their kit, uh, chickens. Uh, and so this kit, uh, contains a lot of very useful uh, emergency medicine in smaller um, containers. So you don't have to, hopefully you never have to use it, but you don't have to have a $80 bottle of something with an expiration date that's going to go bad. Um, you've got a 
six dollar bottle of something uh, that uh, you don't have invested, but you may or may not need that specific um, uh, medicine for your chickens anyway. But the other one you do, so that's kind of that's kind of how the emergency medicine kit works. Is that so many medications today are so expensive they have an expiration date, and you have it to be on hand to have on hand for for a possible uh, um, uh, injured or ill chicken. And then uh, and it just goes bad. You're like, oh, I'm just not going to buy anymore. It's so expensive. But this way you can have what you need to get that starting dose while you purchase more if need be. So, that's how. so check it out. Uh, FirstStateVetSupply.com, the emergency medicine kit there, $24.95. And uh, take a look at that at his website. Peter, thanks for staying with us. And uh, we will continue and uh, wrap it up during this segment. Yeah, one of the other things, uh, <laughs> just sitting here thinking about it, um, the... Um, with this uh, hatching, uh, it's another um, uh, problem that comes into into play too. We talked about the infected yolk sac, but uh, even if that goes well, um, and there is a uh, whether it be Klebsiella or any other Pseudomonas, uh, E. coli, or any of those, uh, you know, Staphylococcus uh, uh, around either in a hatch tray or, or wherever you're hatching your birds or on yourself or whatever. Um, when birds are hatched, and you know the uh, the uh, yolk sac uh, is taken into the body, and then the navel area is supposed to close. Well, if it doesn't close 100%, or if it's slow closing, or uh, you you actually get an infection there because it's a direct route to the intestinal tract and and in, in, the, in the body cavity. So you can get it that way too, and that's called navel ill. Um, and um, so I just thought I'd throw that out there too. And then you know, when you get those kind of things, uh, you you know, birds that do survive the hatch, you can still your first week's mortality usually, not always, but usually is related to hatching problems, whether it be uh, dehydration or or um, uh, a bacterial or fungal infection or something like that. Uh, generally speaking, we look at. Uh, those, that kind of mortality in the, during the first seven days as a hatching-related problem. And um, many times, and again, and I know a lot of people can't do this, but uh, in actuality, uh, I've got some folks that I've been helping uh, do this, uh, uh, actually do some postmortems on some birds and um, uh, picked up that disease poster and stuff and found that it's, it's, a, it's a godsend to them now. They understand where they're at when you're inside the bird looking around and, and everything else. Um, but you owe it to yourself, you owe it to your flock to do a post on every bird that, that, that dies. You need to know why. And, um, you know, a lot of people will look at it and say, well, it's just nature. Well, yet to a degree that's true. But you are so much better off and you will be able to head off other possible problems. Uh, you know, if it's a congenital problem for, that's genetic-wise and you, you look at it and, and then uh, you might want to be able to change your breeding stock. If it's a bacterial contamination thing, then you may want to go on a cleaning spree and clean things up in the incubator. And, and uh, you know, I know a lot of people uh, that I've dealt with over the years, uh, they want to hatch every egg that they can hatch. They don't care if it's a mud ball or not. And, you know, taking them and, and cleaning them up and putting them in an incubator and getting all the dirt and feces off of it and everything else, uh, you know, I just wouldn't be hatching those kind of kind of, uh, of eggs, the, the chance of contaminating everybody else after it hatches or exploding in the incubator or with exploding eggs or poppers, whatever you want to call them, 
um, is too great. And uh, from my perspective, uh, you have too much of a, an investment in all of these other birds. You want them to come out and be healthy. Sure, in a, in a great world, in a perfect world, you know, hatch them all 100% all the time. Everybody lives happily ever after. Not in the world we live in. Uh, it would be nice if it happened that way, but it just doesn't. But uh, at any rate, um, birds that have this particular problem, uh, mm-hmm. the problem will be trying to, to tell what the problem is because the problems that they're going to uh, exhibit uh, are going to mimic so many other diseases that it'll probably take a laboratory diagnosis uh, to figure it out. Uh, and on the other hand, uh, even if they do pick up Klebsiella, depending on the laboratory, uh, they're probably not going to think a whole lot of it if they find something else. Okay. Uh, I know uh, I get uh, people all the time sending me notes, emails, and, you know, uh, they took a dropping to lab somewhere, and they said it had E. coli in it. Well, and yeah, so big deal. You know, if they find a ton of E. coli in there, you know, too numerous to count, that could be a problem because then we start to look at the same thing with the E. coli as we would with the Klebsiella overgrowth. Something upset it to the point where it's growing out of control. Now you got a problem. But as a normal uh, run-of-the-mill thing, E. coli is a normal in- inhabitant of the intestine of of chickens and other animals and humans as well. So just picking it up there uh, doesn't mean a whole lot unless it's something that somebody can say, uh, you know, you got a little bit more hair than you ought to have. Uh, a little bit different if you took a sample into the lab and they came back and said, well, you know, you got salmonella in here. Well, that's, that's it. That, that don't belong there and shouldn't be there, and now you got a problem. So there's a big, big difference uh, in, in who's doing the work and how it's being interpreted, uh, whether it's a dog and cat guy or... Uh, you know, a real uh, actual poultry uh, vet or whoever the case may be. So uh, anyway, we'll go into some of the symptoms, and you'll know right off the bat, you'll say, oh, yeah, geez, I've seen some of these before, you know. But <clears throat> birds that appear weak, okay, uh, or birds that appear uh, emaciated, uh, depressed, uh, labored breathing, uh, gasping for air, uh, snotty noses, uh, swollen faces, uh Conjunctivitis, which is the swelling around the eye, the redness uh, in the uh, eyelids, uh, and the uh, discharge from the eye, um, mortality, uh, foamy uh, eyes. Um, uh, if you're doing a, uh, a post-mortem, uh, pericarditis, which is an infection of the heart sac around the heart, uh, air sacculitis, which is an infection of the air sacs, um, then a couple of things that you might see on the outside that still wouldn't tell you 100% that you're dealing with Klebsiella, but you got a problem, uh, a drop in egg production. Um, and you would uh, lose some of the interior quality of the egg, okay, uh, which uh, uh, mimics uh, bronchitis. Uh, it could be another one uh, that, would, that would do that. Um, it's going to probably take, you know, if you've got birds, uh, most people will, will medicate. That's generally the way things are approached, uh, and I don't think that's such a bad thing to do because um, if you've got birds that are sick, um, um, just like you would with a human, the medication usually usually follows. So uh, uh, if you're going to be medicating with a tetracycline, uh, bump the dosage up. Uh, if you're going to be buying the stuff from Tractor Supply, huge heaping tablespoon per gallon of water for the for that product. And... Uh, See what it does for you. Uh, that generally, you know, generally will tell you uh, 
you know, if it's bacterial anyway, because it's viral, might do something for a day or so, but uh, cleaning up any bacterial problems that might accompany a virus, uh, but it'll still persist. Um, if, it, if you're giving medications, uh, and generally you can tell, for instance, most bacterial things don't spread as fast as a virus would. Uh, for instance, coryza will spread better than mycoplasma or, or MG or what we call CRD, uh, but none of them will spread as fast as laryngotracheitis or bronchitis. Okay, and um, you know the others have uh, you know, bronchitis symptoms, uh, watery eyes, glassy eyes, uh, uh, gasping for air, uh, labored breathing. Uh, if the birds are in production. Uh, your your thick egg white uh, will be more watery. Uh, Thin-shelled eggs, uh, slab-sided eggs, uh, eggs with uh, uh, sandpapery, blotchy, uh, dark, uh, and if it's a white egg, it could, could have a dark spot in it, and I don't mean it's black, but it's darker than the white, off-colored, uh, things of that nature, uh, mortality, uh, all of those kinds of things, okay? So uh, it's one to watch out for. It's not around every corner, but it is in every bird, pretty much, and uh, has the potential to do some harm. So don't do yourself any more... Uh, harm than is necessary. Uh, take care of the bird's uh, intestinal tract, and I really feel that, uh, uh, that you'll have a good, healthy flock with a minimum uh, need for antibiotics. Yeah, and knowledge is power. I mean, a lot of people, I, I really stress this to a lot of folks, too. I mean, it's not like you, like, like you said. I mean, when, when we cover these topics, we cover a lot of topics and a lot of different illnesses, a lot of different diseases, and maybe the newcomer's like, wow, I really don't know if I need to get into this. Is, is it more than just throwing some feet out there and having a water or sure if you want to keep them good and healthy? Um, like you always say, five-gallon bucket, look at your chickens. That is key. Oh, yeah. uh, examine them, pick them up, touch them. Don't just, you know, oh, here's your feet. See you later. Great. Thanks for the eggs. Um, but, again, we don't. We don't, our goal for this show, because we're all about promoting backyard poultry, and we have been for many years, and hopefully many years to come, so we're not trying to scare anybody away, but knowledge is power, and uh, we, we share this information with you to, to help you along the way. If you have chickens for 10 years, um, uh, you, know, you may or may not have some illness go on, and if you do, and we hear from a lot of people that do on occasion, uh, you know, you need, having that knowledge is, is, is very important, and we've got a lot of folks here on the, come on the show, like like uh, Peter Brown every Monday and uh, poultry scientist and professor Dr. McRae comes on twice a, a month on the Thursdays and, and uh, other uh, specials that we have on. There's a lot that write for the magazine as well. Great information. Um, it's not just about blueberries and oatmeal and smiles and, and uh, hey, cool, look, I have, I'm, 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 I'm hip because I keep chickens. So um, uh, we try to give you the right, right, right information regarding that. So, uh, well, yeah, you I'm know, and, and you know, I don't I don't want to be the doomsday uh, person either. But exactly, uh, exactly. You know, you're absolutely right. Can you can you get uh, some chickens and put them in your backyard in a reasonable coop with reasonable space with minimum amount of care? Absolutely, we do it here every day. Mm-hmm. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not. I hardly ever go to the coop. Hardly ever. I mean, I go out and look around. You know, we got a few projects still going on out there, and and. And everything else, I go out and, like I said, that one little hen, she likes to sit on my shoulder and stuff and, and uh, likes to get in the feed bucket and, and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, but we, we, we don't 
have to medicate them. We don't do anything. We don't even use medicated feet because these are all older birds now, except for for one. We've got one <clears throat> baby out there about a month old, and it's you know just accidental uh, deal. But uh, you know they're not medicated in any way, shape, or form. We just don't do anything. It's not necessary, and they're happy every day out there doing their thing. And again, you know they, these are, are predominantly roosters running around out here. And if you <clears throat> you know certainly. Certainly, somebody else's flock may be a different thing, but um, you know they're, they're stressing this flock from time to time. You can see it, and uh, you know you try to take steps to alleviate that. And that's you know one of the things we did in the beginning, knowing that we were going to have so many uh, roosters versus uh, uh, hens. Uh, we decided that plenty of space, give everybody plenty of space to get away from each other, and and, and it works. And it works. Now, will that work with a super duper really aggressive bird? I don't know. But um, it, it works with these here, and we've got a few here that you know, you know, you know, roosters are territorial. You know that, and you know, they they will run the others off. If they come too far on the other side of the yard, and the others, you know, will settle back down. And the same thing, like I said, in, in the in the mornings and stuff. The amount of feed and water space is crucial because when they get off that roost in the morning, they want to eat, they want to drink, they want to breathe, they want to do act stupid, do all that silly stuff first thing in the morning. And then after that, we hardly hear from them, unless there's some uh, turkey buzzard flying over top and they get all excited about it. But other than that, it's not a big deal. And we don't medicate. I promise you, we do not. And, you know, do we have a bird that dies from time to time? Yep. Take them right here to the lab. And everything that has that has uh, uh, died on the, on the premise here has been something that couldn't fix it anyway. You know, uh, ovarian cancer can't be fixed. And, you know, these are all, you know, you've heard me say it before. This is my geriatric flock. And, yes, um, yes. you know, I mean, Tammy spends more time out there. She's fiddling around with this, that, and the other thing, you know, and, and, and so on. But I don't have quite the time to, to, to do all that. But I, I like to go out and stand around there for a little bit. And But my point being, I'm not out there four, five, six hours a day. Okay? And neither is she. I would I would say on average she probably spends, you know, between uh, the evening and, and uh and in the morning, she probably spends a couple of hours easily a day out there, you know, going out different times, checking on things. You see, and we have we have four cats that live with the chickens, and they all get along just fine. And they have for years. So, you know, so my point being, can you have a flock of chickens in your backyard uh, and have minimal uh, expenditure of energy to take care of them? Yeah. But, see, we keep a closed flock. We don't let every Tom, Dick, and Harry come walking in here. When we leave here, the, the gate to the uh, to the pen where the chickens are is locked. That's it. You're not going to the uh, poultry auction, and you're not running out and getting a, uh, no. a bird here, a bird there, and bringing it back no. home. And, and Yeah, absolutely. No, I have recently looked into I had a, co- co- a company contact me, and I was because uh, I've been wanting to do this for years, but you can't do it economically. Who is going to pay you? to test their birds. Look, if I were going to jump into to selling chickens tomorrow of whatever breed, the first thing I would want to do is have the birds that I was getting tested for everything and everything. Mm-hmm. Whatever it costs. doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Let's say you're going to start off with 20 birds, and you're going to use them as your, as your foundation breeding stock. Okay? Equal number of males and females, whatever. So you spend... Seven, eight, nine, ten dollars a bird. Yeah, I know it's a lot of money. I know everybody doesn't have it. Okay, so you spend a couple, three, four hundred dollars. Doesn't really matter. 
But you're going to get a piece of paper in your hand that's going to say that these birds are free from Newcastle, bronchitis, mycoplasma, MGMS. Uh, they're free from avian influenza, the whole nine yards. You could say to people, and, and you know, you do some random testing uh, every 90 days, and you would have all this paperwork to prove to people, this is what I do. But how much are your birds? Well, you have to pay for this now. My my birds, instead of selling you a chick for whatever, $5, they're now $7. And if that isn't worth something to somebody, then you don't need to sell anything to them. But I, you know, I, I've looked into it. I have a company contact me here just a couple of weeks ago. And, um, you know, um, the problem with a lot of the kits that come to test for each individual disease, uh, they, they come with a lot of stuff. And to do a lot of tests. They're not made for doing onesies and twosies and five and ten and, and that kind of thing. Okay? And so it becomes difficult. And then the uh, the particular one I'm talking about is for the ELISA test, which is uh, one that you can do in, in a laboratory setting relatively easy, um, you know, at, at my level. In other words, I, you know, when you get into some of the other stuff, you start talking about nuclear materials and stuff, we don't have that kind of disposal and, and whatever. But the ELISA is not a big deal. It's something you know. It, it, it's it's something you can run. The test is easy to do, uh, uh, and so on. But the reader to read it costs ten grand. So you not only have the cost of the kits, which run uh, depending on the size of the kit, you know, two hundred, three hundred bucks a piece up, but you also have this ten thousand dollar piece of equipment that you have to buy. You know, and I've been wanting to do this for many, many years, but. I just don't see the, you know, the economic viability of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, uh, people are, I, I see how it is now. You know, I, somebody was on uh, Facebook here not too long ago, uh, and, and rightfully so. I, I, I didn't comment at all, but uh, in my own mind, as I read the posts, I took the person's position wholeheartedly. Sick and tired of buying from supposedly the best breeders in the country and getting birds that are sick. Mm-hmm. And why are they getting birds that are sick? They're getting birds that are sick because the people on the other end will not spend the money to fix the problem. It's that simple. I, I read to you uh, several shows ago about the Cornell study that was done. Yeah, yeah. About you know all the problems that are out there. You know we used it uh, when we talked about the salmonella thing. You know salmonella is not a big deal in the backyard setting. It isn't. And this was samples from all over the country. I mean, it was was not, uh, I think the biggest sample group came from California. They seem to be the most sophisticated as far as uh, keeping track of things and so on and so forth. But, um, you know, people just are not going to spend the money to to do it the, the right way. So that's why you end up getting birds that are ill with one disease or another, okay? And... Uh, you fly by the seat of your pants, and that makes it difficult to get your ten birds, put them in the backyard, and uh, feed and water them, and walk away. Okay, and it's not done purposely. It's done because of the, the money. Where are you going to take them then? And I just had this happen too. This is another thing. Okay, uh, I had a client, long-time client, good friend, uh, been talking to me about a bird that became ill, uh, the second one in the flock, and. Um, uh, just was getting out of hand as far as trying to figure out what was going on with it. So um, we put our heads together and decided to take the bird to the local laboratory. 
and now it's turned out to be a nightmare. And there is no friendliness from these people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kill them all, put them all down, right out of the box. And I can tell you with that kind of mentality that we're not going to get anywhere. We're not going to bring people on board. We're mm-hmm. not going to get people, you know, to come forward and say, yeah, I want to do this, and I'm willing to do this, you know, and people work with you, you know. Because as soon as they hear that, they, 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 you know, the person called me and said, you know, it was the worst thing I ever did, I shouldn't have done it, but, 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 you know, it was a consensus between us, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of bringing them there either. But mm-hmm. uh, there does come a point when you don't have a choice. So, um Anyway, yeah. not, to, not to belabor the point, you can raise birds uh, very well in a backyard setting, minimum amount of effort, as long as you start out with healthy stock and keep them healthy. And you do that by keeping a closed flock once you get your birds. Now, if you're interested in buying birds and selling, that's going to be an issue, and that's going to make it life a lot yeah. tougher. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Well, Peter, thank you very much for joining us today. A lot of great information uh, about the topic and, and then some, uh, as always. And uh, we wish you all the best. We hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week until next Monday. My pleasure. We'll see you next week. Great. Thank you so much. Man, where are you going to get this information, folks? Nowhere. Chicken Whisper Magazine. And then uh, right here on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Hey, visit his website, uh, First com, First State vetsupply.com and take a look at that emergency medicine kit I'm serious many times as we've had people call and um, and Peter tries to help them and uh, okay what do you have on hand uh I'm not sure what uh is but it ends up being uh nothing and um and and you want to what a great value instead of buying a huge bottle that's going to expire if you don't use it the emergency medicine kit is just for that initial medication you give it to your birds while you can then order what you need instead of ordering, you know, huge bottles of all this at great expense and you don't use it after so many years it expires. Now you can have it on hand uh, to give and, and to start that uh, initial treatment three days sooner than you would before. I mean, birds, they're going to die in three days. Could be, maybe, maybe not. But at least you're medicating them. You have it on hand when Peter says, okay, we, need you to, we would like to start on this. Go ahead and give them some of that. I'll give them some of this. Oh, okay, i got to go order it, and then it'll take three days, and, and then then I can start giving it to them, and you never know. So uh, first, statevetsupply.com. I appreciate you tuning in today. I really do. Tune in weekly, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on Blog Talk Radio. And I do hope you and your family and friends have a blessed day. And God bless everybody. Get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... 
Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.